Let's turn to our message today. We're going to continue our series in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 9. Jesus says that this is how you should pray. He says you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the things that you're doing in this ministry. We thank you, God, for the ways that you're moving people, for the way you're opening hearts to Christ. We thank you, Father, for the ways people are once again realizing that you are everything and that church is all about you alone. And we thank you, God, that you're bringing people back to church, you're bringing people back to Jesus. Father, that you're challenging those who have been in the church to really get deeper and more sincere in our faith. And we thank you especially for this series on prayer where you just want to speak to us and draw us closer to you and to commune with us. And we thank you for that. Lord, leverage and use this prayer to teach us how to get closer to you and to truly be yours completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, before I begin my message, I just want to thank all of you guys for praying for me. As you guys know, uh, I had vertigo. I'm still not 100%, but I feel so much better this week. I could actually tell every single day I was just getting better. And I, you know, and it maybe, and I don't want to say it like this, but maybe in any other church, I would just think maybe that's a physiological, natural thing that just simply happens. You know, if you just rest and watch a lot of TV, you know, but it's not. I really believe that it's because you guys have been praying for me. It's so amazing to be a part of a church where you actually believe in, and this is me, but I actually believe I can feel your prayers for me. Thank you, especially for your messages. A lot of you guys messaged me. You emailed SMS, Facebook message, whatever it was, whatever form it was. You guys just asked me how I was doing, and I was just really thankful because I just feel loved and cared for it. And I love to be part of, I actually love being a part of a church where I feel loved and cared for it, and where I can actually feel the prayers of, I don't want to say my people, but can I say my people? The prayers of my people. It's such, I feel like I'm a part of church. You know? And that's what church should be. So thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for your prayers. I love being part of a church that actually prays to and believes in prayer. And so with that said, what a segue into our message today. You know, we're learning about the Lord's Prayer. You know, and so let's talk about this together because the Lord's Prayer teaches us how we can pray better. And all of us can learn how to pray better, especially from Jesus Christ himself. And that's exactly what we're going to learn today through this. So last week we learned that the nature of the relationship that God wants to have with us is what? As a father, a perfectly loving father to a child. And it's awesome. Right, And because we are his, and we know we are his, and we're confident that we are his, we can always approach God confidently, securely, knowing that we are in his hands. And secondly, because God is transcendent in every single way, it teaches us that we can't take any prayer lightly. We can't approach God flippantly or casually or half-invested in any single way. But because he is the transcendent God of the universe, he deserves all of us. You know, every single word should be 100% invested in who he is. And the greatest part about that is not only that he's so transcendent, but that the God of the universe, who's so transcendent, wants to speak to us and wants to hang out with us. And I hope that absolutely floors you every single time you pray that our Father in heaven part, because it should. It should. I mean, he's got so many universes that he should be taking care of, but yet he pauses to talk to you. That's it. 
That one thing is all I need, you know? Uh, but ultimately what we said was prayer is a what? A heart exchange with God, isn't it? He wants to hear your heart. And he wants to share his heart with us. And that's what makes prayer absolutely awesome. The fact that we can actually commune with the God of the universe. That's the greatest privilege I think any human can actually have in the world. But it's so hard. We don't even want to go to prayer meeting on Friday. It's so hard, but it's the greatest. That's why you got to get past that two minutes. Because that's when it gets real. You know, because the God of the universe wants to commune with you and you get to do it with him. So in that beginning address, our Father in heaven, it reminds us that we can never enter into any prayer until we truly realize who the God that we're coming before. You know, and hopefully that changes the way we pray. Uh, We said last week that the structure of the Lord's prayer is an opening address, which we covered. And then all of a sudden it continues into six requests, three for God, three for us. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to go over the first request in the Lord's Prayer, which is hallowed be thy name. And the way we're going to do it today is I'm just going to simply highlight the two, I think, operative words in that phrase, hallowed be thy name, which is what? Hallowed and name. Okay, those are the two operative words. And we're just going to cover those two words, and hopefully through those two words, it'll reveal to us exactly why God wants us to pray this line. These four words, this phrase, okay? And hopefully that will transform the way we approach God and the way that we actually pray. So let's start with this word, hallowed. Does anyone here know what that word hallowed means? Maybe you learned it at Sunday school. I'll be very frank with you. I learned what the word hallowed means in seminary. I prayed it so many years of my life, but I never knew what it meant. But I actually learned what it meant in seminary. And it means this. It means to give deep honor to to revere, or to treat as holy, okay? That's what the word hallowed means. So when we pray, uh, hallowed be your name, the goal of praying that is to revere God's name as holy. That's it. The goal is to revere his name as holy. So why do we need to pray that? And how do you pray that? Is that like a thinking thing? Do I have to think something differently in order for me to pray that? You know, is that is that like a heart exercise? Is my heart what needs to be changed in order for me to pray that properly? Is it a call to action? What does it mean to revere God's name as holy? And actually the answer is found within the word itself, hallowed. The word hallowed in the Aramaic and in the Greek, which is the language of the New Testament, it was always used for in one way, the word hallowed. It was used to describe, um, it was always used in the context of setting something apart for God's use. Like objects in the temple would be hallowed for the worship of God. Do you guys understand that? Things that were used for the worship of God in the temple. And so the thrust behind this passage, or this phrase, if we understand it, is that we ourselves. We would set ourselves apart so that, oh, we would set ourselves apart as holy so that the name of God can be revered and honored through us. You guys get that? We would set ourselves apart as holy so that the name of God can be honored and revered through us. So to be clear, you know, if I didn't say clearly, the primary goal, the ultimate goal is the reverence of the name of God. Right? We are here to revere the name of God as holy. Right, But that's the goal. The, so the request is completely God-centered. It's all about God. It's all about making him greater. But the person who prays that prayer understands that to make 
To pray that prayer means to make every part of myself to revere his name as holy. It is about making every part of my being so that he might be holy, so that the name of God might be revered through me. Do you guys understand that? Is that cool? It's a, it's a huge prayer. So what we're actually saying is this. Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, I set myself apart for you because the reverence of your name is everything to me. The reverence of your name is the primary goal of my life. It's what I'm going to make everything in my life about. That's what we're saying when we say, hallowed be your name. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're beginning to see that the true response, maybe the only response to our Father in heaven, right? Not only his love, but his transcendence. And our only true response to hallowing his name is to truly set ourselves apart for him as holy. Do you guys get that? Right, that's what it's about. So right from the get-go, we're seeing that hallowed be thy name or hallowed be your name really is a calling to make God the absolute center of our lives. He is to have all the preeminence. He is to be absolutely supreme in every part of your being, your heart, your mind, your life, everything, right? There is to be no other competition to his superiority in your life. Does that sound familiar at all? There is to be no other competition to his superiority in your life. Does that sound familiar at all to you Old Testament gurus? You shall have no other gods before me. It's the first of the Ten Commandments. It's not just the third or fifth or seventh. It's the first of the Ten Commandments. And that's what we're praying here in this prayer here. To pray, hallowed be thy name, is a commitment to make God everything. You're saying to him, there is no other competition in my life against you. You are everything. You've won every part of me and every part of my being is for you, right? There will be nothing else in my life that compares to my allegiance to you. But not only that, I'm actually gonna intentionally build every part of my life around making sure that your name alone receives all glory, honor, and praise, which means my studies is not going to be about my achievement or about, you know, my success. But everything that I do as I study as a student will be for your glory. The way I study, the goals of my study, my, you know, when I think about what these studies will actually produce, the fruit it'll produce, it'll be about your glory. My job, my career, it won't be about my advancement or my recognition, but it is the tool that you have given me, God, to leverage to make your name great. So every the, the way I approach it every single day, no matter how difficult or complex it might be, the question really always on the table is, how can I leverage this for your glory? How can I relate with this person for your glory? How can I do this work for your glory? My marriage will never be about my happiness, my marriage will never be about my satisfaction, but my marriage, just the way you designed it, God, will be about your glory. It was always designed for only that. My friendships will never be about my fulfillment, but it'll always be about how they, how you can be glorified through this relationship even more. The internet and my smartphone, I'm getting really personal here, right? Screw marriage and all those things. My internet and my smartphone, it won't be about the promotion of myself in any way. I'm going to use the internet and my smartphone for your glory 
every button and app, you know? It's a tough one, isn't it? It's tougher than marriage, you know? But this is what it's about. Nothing in my life will compete with you in any way. And everything in my life will be for you in every way. Hallowed be your name. Do you guys get that? Cool, is that clear? And so hallowed be your name teaches us that a prayer that pleases God and honors God is a prayer that begins with who he is, our Father in heaven, and then it transitions to what? To seeking to make his will and his glory our central focus. But really, if we understand what what, what we're saying behind this prayer, it's not just making him our central focus, but it's praying that he will be our only focus. That all of ourselves can only think and only want him to be greater, right? And, you know, if you are a person who truly follows Christ, I mean, that's something that we ultimately long for, isn't it? You know, the thing that I want the most one day, one day I hope I wake up, and the things that I truly want in this life, I pray every single day that that's actually the things of God. I don't. I want red Corvettes, you know? You know, I want a happier this. I want to be more fulfilled. I want a bigger this. I want a more advanced this. I want a faster this. I'm always wanting things, But I pray for the day that I wake up and the thing that I truly want in life is what God wants in me. That's what I want more than anything. I want his righteousness. You know, I want his heart, his desire. I want his burden for the lost. I want that to drive me. You know, I want his holiness. and I want to actually treasure it more than my happiness. I pray for that day. You know, this is what I want. I want to be driven by his values and all that I do, whether it's fighting for justice in the world or it's like making my kids lunch. It doesn't matter. I want his values to drive everything that I do. But the question is, why doesn't it? Even after 30-some years of Christianity, why are we still not like that at times? And the answer maybe really is because we don't pray this prayer enough, the way that we're supposed to pray this prayer. And here, this is what I mean. If I were to ask you for a prayer point today, if I were to ask you, hey, what's your prayer point today? And you know, and you think about it, and you share that with me. Here we go. Whatever you say or whatever you think you're going to say, let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed that a lot of our prayer points are really what? For the most part, it's about asking God to come into line with what I want. Did you ever notice that? I want this. I want this. I want to get it here. I want to go there. I want that. I want that. God, can you please make what I want happen? Isn't that true? Right, and let me, get, let me be very clear. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with asking God for things. There's absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, just asking God for everything. Every type of prayer is absolutely valid, which is great. Okay, so keep on asking. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we constantly ask God to do what we want, when do we ever get around to wanting what God wants in our lives? Wanting what God wants for your family, wanting what God wants for your church, wanting what God wants for the world. When do you pray those prayers? Do you know what I'm talking about? And so a lot of times we get so caught up in what we want, and God, you got to align yourself to me. And then when we pray that we're done, we never get to what God wants through us, his will, his desires, his plans for us. When will our prayers actually be about God? I think for those people who truly want to live lives that please and honor God, something's got to change. That's got to change. You know, when Jesus says that this is to be the first request we pray, right? There's six requests, but this is the first. He's saying that our primary need, 
might truly be to be in line with God. Because we might be out of line with the things that God wants right now, right? Isn't that true? A lot of times that's really true. And so to pray, hallowed be your name, is not only acknowledging that I may not be in line with what God wants right now, but that my greatest need might just be to be aligned with God. You see? I want to be aligned with your heart. I want to know what's on your heart. I want to know what you dream about, God. I want this, and I need this, and there's people who are sick, and there's people, we need all, I need all these things in my life, and I want to see you work in those things, and that's great. Those prayer points are great. But God, what do you want? What do you want for me? What do you want for my family? What do you want me to do at church? What do you want for the world, and what part can I play? God, you got to share what's on your heart with me. And so, you know, when we do that, all of a sudden, his will and his desires and his plans become more primary. And that's exactly what we're praying, aren't we? You know, And the reason why we do that is so that every word that follows after that can truly be in line with what he wants. And that's the whole point. We need to learn and train ourselves to pray like this so much more, don't we? Especially in light of all the narcissistic pulls that the internet, social media, and our current culture is constantly entreating us with, right? And so in order to do that, we must begin our prayers and thoughts with God's honor and his glory and the advancement of his purposes and kingdom, not only for our lives, but especially for our generation today. In one of my previous churches, I had uh, this lady who was a campus minister, and so, you know, you know, my wife and I, we, we just love her, and she's just amazing, an amazing woman. And then one day I was asking her, you know, at church, I said, hey, what are, what are, what's your prayer point? We want to pray for you better. And she said, can you just pray that when I share the gospel on campus that people will come to Christ? I said, well, okay, that's great. No, but what about you? What's something that you need in your life? And like a knee-jerk reaction, you know, and this frown came over her face. She's like, Eddie, this is what I need most. Lord. You know, pastors are always thankful when they're scared of their members, you know, because their members love God more than them. Their members want the kingdom in their lives more than them. And that's what I felt at that moment. And I was absolutely floored. I was like, oh, man. And so we started praying for it. We invested more. We said, oh, how can we, you know, support you more? Because you're legit. Anyway, but, but that's what we need, don't we? That's what we need so much in our lives. When will come the day when his desire, when my desire, my deepest desire really is what he wants in my life. That's what we want as Christians. That's our ultimate goal as Christians, to operate in such a way where my greatest desire is what he wants through me. That's what we need to be praying, and that's exactly what this prayer is about. And I'll be honest to you, you know, once again, I know I'm sharing it, but I didn't share it explicitly. I'm not there yet. I'll be very honest with you. There are so many things that I still want in my life. You know, I pray and I try, but there's a huge part of me that just still wants what I want. And maybe the reason is because I seriously and sincerely do not pray this request in my life the way God wants me to pray it. My faith so often is not driven by hallowed be your name. But if I'm honest, it's driven by satisfaction be mine. Happiness be mine. Or simply, my desires be mine. And God, you got to come along you know, and align yourself with it. And if you're like me, 
then maybe that is the true bottleneck of your faith. That's maybe the reason why you're still at church and you still pray the same prayer points that you did 10 years ago. Why you never grow outside of yourself. And you're not growing in your awareness of God in the kingdom because you've never allowed yourself to pray beyond yourself because it's always been about you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't mean to throw daggers at my audience, but this is me too, you know? We need to train our hearts and minds so that God and his will is preeminent, supreme in our lives. And that is why praying hallowed be your name is so crucial. Do you guys see that? Do you guys understand that? So if our Father in heaven taught us to know who we're coming before, hallowed be your name teaches us the reason so that he might have the supremacy in our lives. No other gods, especially ourselves. Hallowed be your name. Right? He alone is to have all the glory as we seek to align every part of our lives with him. Can you just see and sense and feel how your life might be different? Maybe even your faith, how your faith might be different? If you truly prayed this prayer and understood and said, God, man, I really want to hallow your name through my life. And if you actually started to do it, how much your life could change? That is the point. To hallow God's name is to clear out anything from our lives that compete with God for his supremacy and then to align every part of our lives to make his name great. To hallow is to make God primary in every way. So let's be people who hallow. Cool? The second part, the second key word that we need to understand in this word is the word name. You know, now in our day and age, a name is simply what? It's a label that identifies somebody else, right? You know, I'm Eddie, you're Jim, you're Sharon, and that's what, that's what a name is. It's a label, which is good, you know? And a lot of times we don't think about the, you know, are the meanings of our names. Do you even know the meanings of your name? Some of you do, some of you may not, you know? But the only times that we are actually concerned about the meanings of our names is if all of a sudden you find that you're pregnant and you have to name your child. And that's when you start caring about what names really mean, I remember when we found that we were pregnant with my first son, we already had it all picked up before we even, you know. We were like, he's going to be Cameron. That's it, you know. Not only is that name cool, it's like strong Cameron Smith, NRL, you know. Every, everything is going to be awesome about it, right? Everything. No, none of our friends had the name Cameron, so it was unique, which is so important when you name your name. Right? It's so pathetic, but it's important. But... You know, so we were so excited. And then, you know, it was like three weeks or four weeks before he was going to be born. And we're like, hey, man, what does the word, what does the name Cameron mean? I said, I don't know. So we looked it up on the internet. And a lot of times names have like multiple meanings depending upon which culture it comes from. Cameron doesn't. It only has one meaning because it only comes from one culture. Do you know what it means? It means crooked nose. (laughs) And so I turned to my wife and I said, hey, I know we love this name, but do you really want to name your kid crooked nose? And we're like, no. So we changed it to Alex. Right? That's a true story. That's what happened. You know, uh, do you guys know that names have meanings? I mean, for us, it's not. Maybe it's kind of important. But for Jewish people, it was everything. Your name described your character. Your name described the type of person that you were. Not only that, but a lot of, people, a lot of Jewish people believe that what you named your child is like a foretelling of that person's future. Even so, names are really, really important, you know. It's kind of like, and names are important in our day and age too. We just don't realize that, like, if someone were to say, Hey, Mother Teresa, or just mention that name, you know, what, what do you feel when you hear the name Mother Teresa? Like, oh wow, 
That's so beautiful. You know, you think of love and grace and compassion. Everything that's excellent about mankind can be embodied in that one name, Mother Teresa. If you were to name your child Mother Teresa Kim or whatever, I mean, that's a big burden. You're placing upon, that's big, some big shoes to fill if you're going to name your kid Mother Teresa, right? What about the opposite? You know, what, there's another name that I think gives, puts a lot of shudders down our spine, like Hitler, Right? When you think of Hitler, that's like everything that's it's horror. You just think of horror and everything that's bad about and evil about mankind. And it's, it's horrific. See, names have power. And Jews believe that. And so, you know, you're not going to name your kid Hitler, Kim. <laughs> you know, of course, none of us will because it's terrible. Anyway, names have a lot of meaning. That's the power of a name. And so names are so important, especially when it came to God. The command in our the request today is to hallow the name of God. But how are we going to hallow the name of God if we don't know God's name? Do you guys know God's name? God's name? Yes? Yes? Some of us do? Yes? There are actually a hundred, over a hundred name names of God in the Old Testament. There are so many names of God. I've written, I've written a list uh, of a few right here. It's, not, it's nowhere near comprehensive. But these are the names that God chooses to use for himself or that he approved of in Scripture. I'll go through a few with you. Or maybe we'll go through it really quickly. Elohim, did you ever hear of Elohim? These are, these are all Hebrew words, Hebrew names of God. It says mighty creator. Adonai means Lord or master. El Shaddai means the Lord Almighty. El Elyon means God most high. El Roy, the God, the strong one that sees. El Olam, everlasting God. Jehovah is the self-existent one. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Makedesh, the God who sanctifies. Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord our banner, the one who brings us victory. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rophi or Rapha, which is the God who heals. Jehovah Shalom the Lord of peace, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is here, and Jehovah Zekenu, the Lord our righteousness. Right? There's so many. These are just a sample. And the thing is, I give this list to you not because I want you to memorize any of these things. It's not like if you pray these prayers and call out the name of God in Hebrew, it'll make your prayer more powerful. It won't. But the reason why God shares his name with us. And the names that he has with us is because he wants us to have a much more concrete idea of who he is. Do you see, do you notice his character when you read this list, when you read the, you know, the English translation? When you, do you notice his character? But it's not just his character. You know what it is? The reason why he shares all these with us is because he's saying, this is how I want to relate with you. This is my role in your life. And this is my will for mankind. And so he wants us to have a clear understanding of who he is, right? And the greater we understand his name, the greater we can worship him and make his name great in our lives. Look, if we look at Adonai, it means master or Lord. That's his name. That's who he is. That's his character. He is to be the Lord over our lives right? He's in charge of all things in our lives, right? What are some other ones? Oh, I can't read the list. So I'll just read my thing. Elroy, the strong one that sees. What does that mean? It means he's saying, I know everything about you. I know everything that's going on in your heart and in your mind. I know everything that's going on in your life. That's why, that's why I don't need to hear all your words. I just need your heart that you trust me. You see, that's how powerful that name really is. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, you probably learned a song about that when you're in Sunday school, whatever it is, but 
It, it doesn't mean that he just provides for us, oh, I need a house, give me a house, I need a car, I need a car. No, it means that his only, the only way he's going to operate in your life is to provide what's best for you. To provide what's holy and perfect for you. That's how he wants to act in your life. Oh my goodness, I can go over each one of these. They're so great. Let's go over the last one just to close it up. Jehovah Sikenu, the Lord our righteousness. And what this is saying is he wants us, all of mankind, to operate in his righteousness. What does that mean? That he's not going to stop until everyone hopefully knows Jesus. You know what I'm saying? He's going to do everything that he can so that people can find Christ, can people can find his righteousness, especially through the church and through Christians. You know, that's the way he wants to relate through us and in us and for the world. It's amazing. Do you see why his name is so important to know? It's so important. The better we know his name, then it allows us to interact with him more intimately, worship him more appropriately, trust him more comprehensively, but to live out his character more powerfully in our lives. This is why we are to know the name of God. And in the context, especially of this request, the hallow the name of God, it helps us celebrate and honor all the ways that he is operating in our lives now and in the world, right? Do you guys understand that? Name is that huge. So let me put it all together. What does it mean, hallowed be thy name? When we pray that, this is what we're saying when we say hallowed be thy name. We're saying our Father in heaven, your character, your desires, your plan, your will deserves all the honor and supremacy and primacy in my life. And I have committed myself to making who you are and what you want to do, the primary driving force of my life. That's what you're saying. It's a lot of words. I like Jesus' version better. But that's what it's saying, right? Our Father in heaven, your character, your desires, your plan, your will, it deserves all the honor and supremacy. And I've committed myself to making who you are and what you want to do the primary driving force of my life. That's absolutely huge, isn't it? It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like life-changing. It's supposed to be direction-altering. And that's the whole point. And truthfully, you can't really pray this. You know, I did that up there. You can't really pray this prayer unless you sincerely take the time out to look at God and to actually want Him. Otherwise, it's just a mantra. But the only way you say this prayer for real and into your heart sincerely is if you want him sincerely. And that's the whole point, right? You can't pray unless you truly see God clearly and want him sincerely. And I think that is probably the greatest challenge we face in prayer today. If you know anything about me and my wife, we love going to Hawaii. We do. Okay, so, you know, judge us. You know, we, love, we go every single year. Sometimes if we can, we go twice a year. It's like our second home. But if you ever go to Hawaii, there's a, you're very likely to run into a very, a, a very commonly used Hawaiian word. And that word is, is pronounced haole. Okay, that's a weird word. But basically what that means, it's the term that the Hawaiians, the, the islanders used to uh, label the, the mainlanders, especially white people, they call them Hollies, right? The mainlanders. But recently I learned where that term came from, and it was absolutely shocking because it's a term that was used to describe the missionaries who brought the gospel to Hawaii. And unfortunately, it's not a very positive one, 
Okay, and so I read the account of this one Hawaiian who described how this word came about. This is what she wrote. She wrote, you know, before the Christian missionaries came, my people used to sit outside the temple for a very long time, meditating and preparing themselves to enter to pray. That's what they used to do. Can you picture that? The temple's there. They're they're sitting outside the temple, just preparing themselves to pray to their gods. Then they would virtually creep into the altar to offer their petition. And then afterwards would again sit a long time outside, this time to breathe life into their prayers. Right. So you can imagine them after they prayed, they would sit outside and just meditate on their prayers, like reinvest, continue to deeply invest in the things that just, they just prayed to their gods. Can you imagine that? Can you picture that with me? The Christians, when they came, however, they just got up, uttered a few sentences, said amen, and were done. For that reason, my people call them hollies, which means people without breath, or people who fail to breathe life into their prayers. Right? Isn't that scathing? Isn't that a scathing remark or a critique of Christians and Christian missionaries who came to Hawaii? But unfortunately, it's something that all of us can probably relate to doing, right? We all do that. Oh, we got to pray for something? Okay. We just rush into God's presence. We say a few mantras, we, and we, we throw our request on the, on the table, and we just say amen really quickly, and we get out. Right? How many times have you done that? You know, I do that all the time. I even do it on Friday nights when we're supposed to go to this prayer meeting. I know I have an hour and a half on the thing, but, you know, I'm just, you know, rub it up dub Anyway, you know, that's what I do. And the truth of it, the truth of it all is that some of us are spiritual hollies because we never take the time to truly breathe. We never take the time to truly breathe life into our prayers. And what I mean that by that very specifically is we never take the time to truly sit and realize the God we're coming before. We never take time to realize not only the God we're becoming for, but what's on his heart, his desires, even for our life, because we're too busy thinking about ours. We're too busy thinking about what's truly eternal and what's going on eternally around us, because all we're concerned is about what's here. We need to be people who truly breathe life into our prayers, right? These two phrases, our Father in heaven and now hallowed be thy name, can only be prayed when we take the time to truly know who we're coming before and to comprehensively surrender ourselves to making him great in every way. And that cannot be done in an instant. I don't think you can, right? It just just can't happen. It demands that we take time to breathe light into our prayers and to truly align our hearts to him instead of constantly fighting for him to align himself to us. Do you guys get that? Isn't that what's needed in prayer today? You know, right? We need to pray like that better. You know, what I'm about to say, I'm about to close, but what I'm about to say, it's all me. This is all Eddie Bang. This is all Eddie Bang's opinion, what I'm about to say, okay? But as I read these two lines, it's almost, I feel like Jesus is begging the church to slow down. That's it. I think that Jesus is begging the church to slow down and to actually spend quality time with God. To spend quality time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To spend quality time with the God of the universe. Yes, the teaching behind these phrases is absolutely crucial. But for me, I feel like Jesus is saying that the only way to truly practice these phrases is for you to stop your life. Just stop 
everything and to gaze upon him alone, right? To focus squarely upon God alone so that you could be fully invested in God alone. Even if you don't utter a word, I'm, one, I'm, I'm kind of in that camp that believes when God knows that you're fully his, whether you know what to say or not, that's the one, maybe the best prayer you can ever pray in your life. That's me. And once again, this is my fantasy. Maybe this is me and my interpretation or my fantasy of my spiritual life. But I don't think so. I kind of don't think so. I think this is what God really wants from us. And I think this is what the first two phrases are begging us to be. Right? And once again, this is my fantasy, but I truly believe that prayers become prayer. When we're so transfixed upon God, when we're completely lost in his beauty and majesty, that instead of knowing what to say, he starts praying through us. You guys know what I'm talking about? This is, this is full gospel church, right? I love that. I love it when I know that I feel like God is praying through me, that the Spirit is groaning his unspeakable prayers through my heart, that he's breathing his life into that prayer. I love it. I think that's what prayer is. You know? God wants all of us. And he wants every part of us to be his so that he can be everything to us, in us, and through us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray. Let's learn to stop and make God our everything. To pray hallowed be your name really is to devote every part of ourselves to making him primary and great in our lives and in this world. You know, it's a calling to align every part of our heart, dreams, and our lives to his priorities in, in this world. So it's a huge calling. But this is what God wants. So... Even if you have to like start all over again and press the reset button in prayer, do it. Let's start praying for real. God, I want your heart to drive my prayer. I want your will and your desire to infiltrate, to interrupt the things that I want. Because ultimately, I want my life to be about what you want. But that's only going to come when I hallow your name above myself. So God, will you pray like that through me? Let's, uh, I don't know what it takes to get there. Let's repent if we need to for just being so self, self, everything. Let's give ourselves over to him. Let's ask God to help us to learn how to pray with him squarely in our minds. Let's really ask his, for his name to truly be everything to us. And let's just pray to him right now. Let's pray.
Father, we ask that you teach us how to pray. Even in just two messages and two like phrases, in eight words already we're realizing, wow, there's so much more about following after you and making you great and honoring you that we still need to learn. And Father, we pray, teach us. But God, as we just uh, try, as we give ourselves over to you, Lord, speak to us. Lord, help us to be a church filled with people whose greatest desire is for your desire to be lived out through us. So change our hearts, whatever it takes for us to get there. Lord, we pray, do whatever it takes to help us get there. Because we just want to be your people. We just want to be fully yours. We don't want to be people who pray this prayer. We want to be people who live out this prayer in pleasure for your glory. So God, help us to be that for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.